a short message for grown-ups. I would like to invite you to subscribe to Sleep Tight Premium with extra bedtime stories, mindfulness activities, and sound and music for sleep. Sleep Tight Premium helps make your sleep tight routine easier. And the kids will love the shout-outs and birthday messages. Visit sleeptightpremium.com to start your free trial. Thank you. Our sleep story tonight is about a tree toad who was perched on a log on a June day, enjoying his life. He looks around and sees many different creatures living in the pond and decides to get to know his pond mates better. Before we continue with our story, let's first make sure you are cozy and comfortable. Turn off the lights, silence notifications, find your comfortable place, your place to relax, or your favorite position in bed. Position your pillows, a teddy, or your other little comforts to make sure that everything feels as it should. Now that you are comfortable, let's continue with this short meditation. I would like you to imagine you are walking on a quiet forest path in the moonlight. Above you, the moon shines down to light your way as you feel the soft moss-covered ground beneath your bare feet. The ground feels squishy and is still warm from the sun of the day. As you are walking, you know that you are safe and secure from the rest of the world. Breathing deeply, you can smell the pine in the air. As you breathe, you feel yourself relaxing more and more. These trees are all around you and you can feel them protecting you as you step deeper and deeper beneath the coverage of the trees. Soon you come to a pond. Maybe it is the pond in our story. The moonlight is shining and reflecting off the still water. You find a mossy, soft place to rest while you continue to look out on the pond. The water is very clear and undisturbed. Gazing at this pond in the forest, you feel the peacefulness within your heart, feeling your body letting go to relax even more, allowing a sense of deep calm to ripple out within you. Pause and breathe and take in that stillness. 
Breathe in that calm. Rest. Beautiful. You can return to this peaceful place anytime you like. Continue to take deep breaths as I share with you tonight's story. Jolly Little Tars. Trilled a tree frog who was perched one June day on a log at the water's edge. This is a perfect day for us water folk. Surely there never was such blue in the sky, such green in the grass, nor such dimpling cloud shadows skipping about everywhere. It is the very day to sit down and dream. We think it's just the day for a race, cried a whirligig beetle who was whizzing past. Come on, whirligigs, let us see who will win this time. And away they went with a dash, flash, and spin. A long curve here, a quick turn there, faster and faster. My, my, said the tree toad, half closing his eyes. It seems to me every day is the day for a race with those whirly gigs. I never saw one of them meditating in my life. It makes me dizzy and gives me a headache to watch them spinning. It is a wonder they don't dash themselves to pieces. Not yet, yawned a little snapping turtle who had been drowsing on a stone nearby. If you look close at a whirligig, you will see that he is nearly as well protected as I am in my strong shell. How you exist with that soft body of yours is more than I can understand. You are a peaceable sort of fellow, but your best friend must admit that you are kind of ugly. No such thing sputtered the tree toad, leaning far out to look at his reflection in the water. I am nothing of the sort. My mother says that I was the handsomest pollywog in the family. You are forced to wear one dress always, and that is a dull old shell, while I change the color of my clothes to suit the occasion as all well-bred persons should. This morning, I am wearing a full suit of gray-brown. That is because it matches so perfectly this lichen-covered log upon which I am seated. When I go swimming, 
My bathing suit is ashen gray with green trimmings. If I were to visit the swamp maples, I should wear plain brown. And if I should take a hop in the grass, I should wear a beautiful dress suit of green. I am Mr. Hyla Versicolor. I'd have you know. See how rough and warty my back is? That is a sign of good family among toads. Watch me puff up my throat like a great white bubble as I whistle my drrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr
we whirligigs have a second pair of eyes under our chins, which allows us to see the bottom of the pool as we swim about, and we find them most convenient. Wonderful, wonderful! The Hyla could scarcely express his amazement. I suppose that is the reason you never hurt yourself in such rapid swimming. Not at all, said the whirligig. Examine this handsome, glittering, blue-black uniform I wear. It is really a coat of mail to protect not only our bodies, but our gauzy wings. For we fly as well as swim. I shouldn't think you could hop very well, remarked the tree toad. Your legs look like oars. Who wants to hop if he can swim and fly? replied the whirligig. I am sure I don't. Come, come, cried the other whirligigs who were swimming by. Don't spend the day talking when there is racing to be done. Well, goodbye, Mr. Tree Toad. There comes that skater again, so I will be gone. And off whisked the beetle. Now, that was interesting, said the Hyla to himself. I really ought to know more about my neighbors. There comes a water spider for a bubble. Now I must ask her what she does with it. Good morning, Mrs. Spider. What are you going to do with that silver bubble, may I ask? Good morning, replied Mrs. Spider as she snatched a bubble of air and held it with her hind legs. I haven't time to explain up here, Mr. Tree Toad, but if you will call at my home, I would be glad to tell you. I shall be most happy, replied the Hyla, slipping into the water in a jiffy. And in a second later, he was resting on the bottom of the pond, just under Mrs. Water Spider's glittering balloon. That certainly is very beautiful, Mrs. Spider. Would you mind explaining how it is done? He said. Not at all, said the spider, as she came and sat in the door of her home. My house, sir, is woven of silk just as those of other spiders. But instead of a web, I weave this egg-shaped nest with the door at the bottom. Now, although I live underwater, I breathe air, and it is necessary for me to fill my house with it. So up to the top I go and catch a bubble of air with the hairs of my abdomen and my two hind legs. I then bring it down here and hang it in my silken balloon until it is, as you see, a glittering, transparent bell. In the top of my nest, I weave a little chamber in which to lay my eggs. And when my babies hatch out, they stay in this shining home until they are strong enough to build a nest for themselves. And how many eggs, Mrs. Spider? asked Hyla politely. Do you usually put in the chamber? A hundred is the usual number, replied Mrs. Spider. But now you really must excuse me. 
as I am in need of more air. Goodness gracious, thought the tree toad, looking after her as she darted toward the top. I should think she would feel something like that old woman who lived in a shoe, who had so many children she didn't know what to do. But what have we here? And Mr. Hyla leaned forward to watch a wee log hut that was creeping in the strangest way on a water weed. Ugh, what great googly eyes you have, piped a tiny voice from the door of the hut. I should like to know what you are staring at. Well, this is surprising, gasped the Hyla. Now, who in the world are you? I am a caddis worm out for an airing, said the voice again as the hut reached the edge of the leaf. I hope you have no objections. Oh no, of course not, stammered the astonished Hyla. Only, I should like to know if all caddisworms carry their houses about with them. This is my overcoat, I'll have you know, said the caddis, thrusting out his little black head. My brother wears one of leaves. My sister wears a sand jacket but mine is the best fit. May I ask who is your tailor? Asked the tree toad. It is certainly a remarkable coat. I am my own tailor, replied the worm. A caddis would scorn to have his clothes made for him, but it is very hard work, I can assure you of that. Would you mind telling me about it? inquired the Hyla. Your coat is a perfect fit. There isn't a wrinkle in it. Thank you, replied the gratified caddis worm. You see, he went on to explain, we always make our coats out of the material at hand. Now, when I found these stylish sticks, I anchored myself to a stone by a bit of silk, which I spun from my mouth for we caddisworms furnish our own thread. Then, with the help of the same silk, I wove this handsome coat, bit by bit, making one section at a time, and then slipping my head through and wriggling it down into place. See, I can put out my head and my first three pairs of feet, and so I can creep where I will. Most remarkable, most remarkable, drawled the toad, who didn't believe a word of it. And did you say your sister wears a jacket of sand? Oh yes, that is common enough, answered the caddis. I have heard that my grandfather, who wore an overcoat of shells, wove into it some tiny ones, each of which was the home of a little living creature and the poor things had to pick up a living the best way they could. I have also been told that in captivity, some of my family have made remarkable coats of gold dust and crushed glass. After a time, I shall draw my head back into my overcoat and weave a silk veil, and so shut myself in and go to sleep. When I wake up, 
I shall no longer be a worm, but a beautiful four-winged fly. My gauzy wings will be delicately fringed, and there will be slender antennae upon my head, and I shall float in the air. Isn't that a beautiful future? But here comes a pond snail, a most interesting fellow. Shall I introduce you? Most certainly. Hello, pond snail. I hope you are well, said Mr. Hyla. But the snail said he wasn't feeling very well, as he had eaten a water weed that didn't agree with him. Still, he was very pleasant and answered all of the tree toad's questions most kindly. He said the first thing that he could remember was when he was a little baby snail, not as big as a pinhead, moving about with hundreds of his brothers in the sand. Yet even then, he carried a house on his back, a tiny, perfect shell into which he could creep when danger threatened. Some people say I am very slow, said the snail, but they forget I have only one foot and carry my house on my back. Yet I am not complaining, for I have a head in which are my eyes, mouth, feelers, and organs of smell, while my relative, the oyster, having no head, has to wear his eyes, ears, and feelers on his body and his mouth near his hinge. Poor fellow. Even my own cousin, the land snail, has her eyes on long feelers and has to draw them in if danger is near. Then... See what a handsome cone-shaped shell I wear. Inside, there is a kind of spiral staircase up which I can creep. And I can close my door with a thin film. If I break my shell, I patch it with a sticky fluid that hardens and makes my home as good as new. I am an air-breathing creature and go up to the top to set free the bubble of impure air I have breathed and then bring down a bubble of fresh, sweet air. I have a long, ribbon-like tongue covered with teeth with which I can chew the delicious water weeds. Really? I consider myself a very lucky fellow. His life must be a truffle monotonous, thought the Hyla as he swam toward the top. I should want a more stirring life. Hmm, I wonder what that is. What he saw was a small object floating on the top of the water like an odd little boat only it seemed to be made of tiny jars with their openings toward the bottom. And out of these jars were darting wee brown wigglers. 
Hello, little chaps. Who are you? Called the tree toad. We don't know. We just got out, cried the wigglers. But there is our big brother. Ask him. The brother was a curious fellow. His body was very slender and of a mottled green color, and he had large, dark eyes. He also wore a huge mustache, which he was always moving about in a curious way, for he used it as a hand for feeding himself. On one side of his tail was a strange little screw he used as a propeller and rudder. He was sailing about at a furious rate, but almost always on his head, with his tail stuck out of the water. Allow me to ask what you are doing in that strange position? inquired the Hyla in his mildest tones. Breathing, sir, as I should think you could see, replied the larva angrily. What other way would one breathe? Oh, excuse me, said the tree frog as he slipped up to his old seat on the log. I didn't mean any offense. The fact is, said the larva more pleasantly, I have to go into my pupa case tomorrow and it makes me angry. It is no fun simply to float about without eating. Still, I shall be able to move about, and that is more than many an insect can do as a pupa. And after all, it is only for a few days, and then I shall hatch out into a beautiful mosquito. Well, well, said the tree toad, that will be pleasant. It seems to me I have heard of the mosquito. He is a musician like myself, is he not? My mother was a fine singer, replied the larva proudly. She had beautiful wings, two plume-like antennae, and six slender legs. And she always carried about with her a case in which there were five lancets to pierce the skin of men and cattle. My father never did anything but fly about in the sunshine and sip honey. My mother was the talented member of the family. Oh, I think I will be going. There come the giant water bugs. Mrs. Giant Waterbug was swimming quietly along with her husband, who looked very sulky and cross, and did not even return the Hyla's greeting. My, my, sighed a water boatman, who was swimming about on his back. How I do pity Mr. Giant Waterbug. Do not take offense at his not speaking, Hyla. He is simply crushed with his trouble. You see, his wife forces him to act as a sort of baby carriage. She fastens her eggs on his back with waterproof glue. Although he struggles and struggles to escape her, and he has to carry them about with him everywhere, Poor old fellow. Sometimes he is so nearly heartbroken, he just hangs to a water weed and won't move, no matter who tries to pick a fight with him. It is hard on him, for giant water bugs have great times. 
They fly away from the pond in such numbers to dance about those great shining balls that hang over the village that men have changed their names to electric light bugs. But what a time I have been gossiping here. I think I shall go for a swim. The tree toad sat sunning himself on a log, but ever on the outlook for a new acquaintance. Ugh, exclaimed the hyla at last. There is one of those horrid things that used to frighten me most out of my wits when I was a timid little pollywog wriggling through the water. She can't hurt me now, though, so I will speak to her. Good morning, my friend. May I ask who you are and where you are going? I am not quite sure either replied the strange-looking creature as it dragged itself painfully up a waterweed. I was once a larva much feared in this pool. I fed upon pollywogs and other delicacies, but a strange change came over me. I couldn't eat, and I fell half asleep. And today, I feel that I just must climb out of the water. I cannot tell why. I think another change is going to take place in me, so I can only bid the world goodbye. I feel this is the end for me. And fixing herself firmly to the weed by means of two little hooks on each of her six feet, she hung perfectly motionless. Bless me, gasped the tree toad after he had watched the creature patiently for a few minutes. Her eyes are certainly growing brighter, and what is the matter with her back? A crack as I am a tree toad. Slowly, the strange thing drew herself out of her case. She had a soft body now, and damp, closely folded wings. But the kind sunshine and the gentle breeze came to help. And, little by little, she began to unfurl her wonderful wings. Great, filmy wings that shimmered with blue and green, brown and yellow, delicate pink and violet. And she had large eyes that glittered with 20,000 facets. Oh, cried the hydra, how beautiful you are. You are a great dragonfly. But away she flew without a word, zigzagging back and forth across the pool, a living gem. Emerald, sapphire, and topaz, knitting the flecked sunshine with loops of light. Well, well, said the tree toad. This is the most astonishing thing of all, to think of that ugly larva changing to that beautiful rainbow fly. But the day is going and I really ought to accomplish something before sunset. So I think I shall take a little trip over to that elm and sing for rain and off he hopped, leaving the pool sparkling in the sunshine, dappled with cloud shadows, cool 
silent and sweet with drifting lilies. Sleep tight.